Welcome to the Boone's Creek Baptist Church podcast. We are a church that exists to spread God's glory from our neighbors to the nations. This is Pastor Tim Wade, and we pray that you will be blessed as we consider God's living, active, and all-sufficient Word together. Amen. Well, thank you, Philip. Indeed, we have sung today many hymns reminding us that our only sure and firm foundation is on the rock that is Jesus Christ. And our prayer today is that our lives, our homes, our church, our communities would all be built upon that one sure foundation because there is no other hope for enduring, for persevering through the storms of life apart from Jesus Christ. And so my prayer for you, dear saints, is that your homes would be built on Jesus Christ. That your lives would be built on Jesus Christ. And so today we consider, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus' final words in the Sermon on the Mount, in which this analogy, which we have sung about, this illustration of having our lives built on the rock of Jesus, are actually the very last words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you would, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we'll be looking at verses 24 through 27. But as you're turning there, I would ask you to consider for a moment the humble O-ring. Many of you probably do not place much significance on something like a small rubber o-ring most of you in the back probably can't even see the one i'm holding up here but you'll find these little rubber o-rings in all sorts of applications you'll find them in your bathrooms and kitchen faucets you'll find them in your vehicles your garden hose they usually just cost a few cents and we we don't typically think much of these until one of them fails in your faucet or your garden hose or Something in your car starts leaking, and there's a problem from that. But what if I told you that an O-ring like this one was responsible for one of the most prominent tragedies in American history? In 1986, many of you will probably remember watching on television the Space Shuttle Challenger explode in mid-air during its launch instantly killing all seven crew members. As the investigations got underway, it was quickly determined that the cause of this terrible disaster witnessed by millions was the failure of an O-ring meant to keep the flammable gases from actually uh, being exposed to where they were being combusted. What's even more tragic is that this tragedy should have been and could have been avoided. Engineers working on the launch had warned about this specific failure. They had said that this was a very real possibility, especially due to the cold temperatures on the day of the launch. And because of that, because of those warnings, the lead engineer refused to sign off on the launch. He had warned about the tragedy, but they were determined to go ahead with the launch, and sure enough, as a result, tragedy struck. Now, it's one thing to experience sudden tragedy. It's one thing to experience something terrible and horrific. 
like this in our own personal lives. What's worse, though, is when that tragedy could have been and should have been avoided if you would only have heeded a simple warning. That's just the kind of warning that we see Jesus provide here in the very last words of the Sermon on the Mount. A summary statement in which Jesus challenges each of us to realize how close we are to tragedy. And how that tragedy can be avoided simply by applying the principles that he's given us here in the Sermon on the Mount. And so therefore, let us consider this morning this warning that Jesus provides us here together. If you're able this morning, I would invite you to please stand together with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God as we consider Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. There Jesus says to us, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And let's once again bow together in prayer. Oh God, we come before you today desperately desiring to avoid tragedy in our own lives. Lord, a, a tragedy would be if we found when the storms of this life blew against us that our life collapsed under the weight of them because we had not built the house of our lives upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Lord, my desperate prayer today is that that tragedy would not befall anyone in this room. Lord, I pray that we would all Examine ourselves in light of your word so that we might leave here today confident in the foundation upon which our lives are built. And if in that examination today we realize that our lives are not built on the rock. That that we have instead invested our time and our energy and our affections in things that will only prove to be sinking sand. Lord, I pray that you would reveal that to us. In a way that drives us into the arms of Jesus today. Lord, I pray that you would allow your word to do its work in people's hearts and lives. That you would remove me from the equation. That you would keep any error from my lips. Any distracting words or mannerisms from my person. So that your word would go forth clearly that would have its desired effect according to your will in the hearts and minds and lives of the hearers. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. What I've just read to you about the wise man building his house on the rock and the foolish man building his house on the sand, this is an illustration that we are all at least a little familiar with. After all, 
we've sung hymns today that are all in some way or other derived from this passage. And many of you, if you're anything like me, you probably remember learning the song about this at VBS, right? How many of you all remember singing the song? You know, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Rains came down and the flood. Philip asked if we wanted to sing that today. I said only if you stand up here and lead us in the hand motions as well, right? And so we didn't sing it. But um, as we read this and as we're familiar with this, we need to realize right off the bat something important about this because I think often we, we miss what Jesus really wants us to get from this passage. And so we need to realize right off the bat that the illustration about the houses is just that. It's an illustration. Jesus is like a good Baptist preacher here. He leaves his audience with a powerful illustration that they'll remember. The only problem is, and it's the same problem that many preachers face today, is that sometimes we remember the illustration but forget the point that the illustration was trying to make. So our first point today in the main point that Jesus wanted to leave with his hearers as he concluded the Sermon on the Mount is to practice Jesus' words. Practice Jesus' words. That's what he's trying to illustrate to his audience in the example of the houses. Look at what he says here. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Jesus is telling us this story because he wants us to come away from this sermon, to, to come away having heard these words with a sense of action, with an eagerness to obey, to actually put his words, what he's told us to do, to actually take that and put it into practice. If you are wise, Jesus says, you will not just hear what he has to say, you will not just read these words from the Sermon on the Mount, but that you will actually follow through in doing them as well. That's the important contrast between the wise man and the foolish man. That, that's the, the pin that all of this hinges upon. The only difference is that the wise man does the words and the foolish man does not do them. The wise man and the foolish man, they both hear the words, they both build houses, but the difference in it all is the fact that one is practicing Jesus' words, the other is not. The difference is in the doing. And so the question before us today is simple. As we conclude the Sermon on the Mount here, we don't need to get confused by thinking that it's all about where you build your house. Of course, that's the illustration that Jesus uses. On the rock that is Jesus or not. That's the illustration that He uses to prove His point. But the way you build your house on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ, on the rock that is Jesus, is by obedience. By practicing what He has said for us to do. Just to give you a rundown, a reminder of, of what we've covered in the Sermon on the Mount, that includes pursuing the Beatitudes. Cultivating a hunger and thirst for righteousness in our lives. A, a meekness. A mourning over sin. A desire for godliness. That includes being salt and light in the world around us. It includes putting to death anger and hatred for people like Jesus encourages us to do. It includes putting to death within us our lusts. 
our desire for revenge. It includes loving our enemies. It includes, in Matthew chapter 6, giving to the needy, fasting, praying, living for heaven rather than becoming anxious about the things of this world. In chapter 7, not being overly judgmental or hypocritical, avoiding false teachers, pursuing the straight and narrow path, all these things that we've discussed. Jesus says the wise person will hear these things and they will do them. You'll put them into practice in your life. So that every time you use the Lord's prayers, the pattern for your own prayers, not necessarily just repeating the words over and over again, but seeing what it is that Jesus is asking for and how He's asking for it, how He's addressing the Father. When we use that to inform our prayer lives, we're laying a foundation stone. When we refuse to look at another person with lust, when we are tempted, we're erecting doors and windows in our homes to let in more light. Whenever you pray for your enemies instead of hating them and seeking their revenge, just like Jesus says, you are shingling the roof of your house. It's in the doing of the things that Jesus says that we build our house on the rock. So in other words, the Sermon on the Mount is not just something that we read about or hear preached and then go about our business as normal. This is a program for life transformation. Jesus doesn't say just to know His words. He doesn't even say to quote His words. He says to do them. Do them. Hear these words of mine and do them. We don't view these things as wise sayings like the words of Confucius. They aren't just cute little sayings that we repeat. This isn't coffee mug Christianity. Right, the little sayings that we put on our coffee mugs and we think about them as we're sipping our morning brew. No, Jesus says, actually do them. Don't be a hypocrite. Put these things into practice in your life. This is how you demonstrate wisdom. This is the nitty gritty of what it means to be a Christian. And so we are to make it our life's work to live the way that Jesus describes in this sermon. And as we do what Jesus says, we will be like the wise person that is building on a sure foundation. But that's a big if, right? If we do them. This is how you demonstrate wisdom. This is how you establish your life on the rock. We do what Jesus says. Now, as we've gone through this verse by verse, we realize that's a tall order. Right? The the instructions that Jesus provides here, the Beatitudes that describes the life of a true believer, often we find that we fall far short of this standard. And this is where we have to recognize that in doing these things, we aren't earning our way to heaven. Because I would just, I would dare you to try to go about your day and say, okay, I'm going to to get up today and from the time my feet hit the floor in the morning till the time I lay my head down on, on the pillow tonight, I'm going to dedicate today to living exactly as the Sermon on the Mount says. Right? I'm going to do everything. I'm going to exhibit every behavior, every attitude, every instruction. I'm going to follow them all perfectly. I would wager that you probably won't get very far. Right? 
You're not going to do this very successfully if you're trying to do it in your own effort. This is why we need Jesus Christ's own righteousness applied to us. We need His atoning work for us on the cross to actually enable us to live this way. To transform our hearts and our lives and our minds so that this is what we desire. So that day by day as we put our trust in Him, we are being perfected. We don't earn our way into heaven by obedience, but obedience, doing the words of the Sermon on the Mount, is the right response of a believer to the God who has saved them. But even as we do this, even as we practice these things, even as we strive for obedience, and and even as we grow in grace that Jesus provides to us through His work on the cross, what we need to understand is that this does not mean that we will be able to avoid trouble entirely if we simply follow Jesus' program. That's what some will say, that if if you just do all these things, then your life is going to go swimmingly. That if you just do these things, that everything's going to be okay. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the little song, the little ditty about this, you know, about the wise man building his house on the rock, the, the, the last verse that, uh, that, that is in that song, it says, as the uh, prayers go up, the blessings come down. Right? Prayers go up and the blessings come down. But the sad reality is, Just simply doing these things does not guarantee that our lives are going to be easy. In fact, just the opposite is true. And that brings us to our second point here. One that we need to understand is that we need to prepare for the storms. We need to prepare for the storms. You see, as we read through this passage what we realize is both the wise man and the foolish man experience the same storms. They both experience the same difficulties. Everyone will experience the storms. It doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, black or white, male or female, storms are going to arise in everyone's life. Jesus tells us that both the wise man and the foolish man had the rains come down Both the wise man and the foolish man had the floods come up. Both the wise man and the foolish man had the winds beat against their homes. In this life, the one thing that we can be assured of is that there will be storms. And sometimes it it bothers us when we look around and it it looks like, Lord, I'm getting all the storms and they're getting all the smooth sailing. Looks like they're getting it a lot easier than I am. As a matter of fact, Psalm 73 addresses this very thing. In Psalm 73, we find these words, Truly God is good to Israel, to those that are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. We struggle sometimes because it seems like there are those who are getting off easy. And often, it's the wicked that seem to be prospering. But later, the psalmist reflecting on this says, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of 
of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. It's possible that Jesus was thinking of Psalm 73 as he preached this sermon to the people. Because we see around us sometimes those that look like they're immune to the storms of this life. And we can become jealous and envious. Thinking, well, well, why don't the wicked suffer the way that we do? But Jesus tells us here, listen to their end. They will be swept away in an instant. Great was the fall of that house. It will be devastating. They will not be able to endure the storms when they come upon them. And the last storm will be the judgment of God Himself. Great was the fall of that house when the storms blew against it. And so we do not need to be envious of those that seem like they are escaping the storms of this life for a moment, even when it seems like we are experiencing more than our fair share of storms. Everyone is going to experience storms in one way or another. Jesus uses this example, I think, because we can so easily relate to the storms of life. We, we see meteorological storms, the, the, the thunderstorms and tornadoes and flooding that, that occur naturally so regularly. And often those storms will appear without warning. Just over the past couple of years in our own state, we've seen some, some terrible and some devastating storms. Remember a couple of years ago, the tornado outbreak in Mayfield, shortly followed by the devastating flooding in East Kentucky. Both of these events were deadly. Both of them swept away homes and cars, entire communities. Wind and rain are powerful forces of destruction. I would wager that each of us have our own stories of witnessing firsthand the devastation of physical storms. I remember living in Savannah going to to help a a lady in our church whose house was flooded after a hurricane. And let me tell you, if you've never cleaned up after a flood, it is devastating. It it is soul-crushing work as everything is dark and wet and heavy and stinky. It's awful to clean up after these devastating storms. Similarly, it's awful in the wake of spiritual storms that come against us in our own lives as well. Often we experience a storm in our life like the one Jesus is talking about, and it feels like after the the winds pass and the rains pass, that left in our lives is just this awful, dark, heavy stinkiness. And we don't know how to start to put the pieces back together, how to clean up after that storm can manifest itself in a number of ways. It could be the experience of sickness, death, broken relationships, lost jobs, people spreading lies and gossip about you. I'm sure there's some in here that's experienced that very thing. Being attacked, being belittled by your own family. It could be the experience of dementia in yourself or a loved one. It could be Anxiety that, that 
is overwhelming that makes it hard for you to get up out of bed of a morning. It could be depression or other mental health struggles. It could be loneliness. And we could go on and on. Any number of storms that we may experience in our lives. Our prayer list is full of people that are weathering storms in their lives right now. But you see, the storms of life are certain. Because we live in a world that is cursed by sin. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God and brought His curse down upon His good creation, ever since then, the world has been reeling from the storms of this life. And there's been often far more thorns than roses. And it will continue to be that way until Jesus comes back and makes it all right. Paul tells us in Romans that all of creation is groaning, waiting for Jesus to return. Until then, until He returns, the world and everything in it has been subjected to futility. So that there will continue to be natural storms. There will continue to be hurricanes and tornadoes and floods. And there will also be spiritual storms. Each one leaving destruction in their wake. And so we need to prepare Be prepared for the storms because they are coming. And the only way to prepare, according to Jesus here, is to hear His words and do them. It's not going to help us avoid the storms, but it will help us endure the storms. To persevere despite the storms. Which brings us to our last point today. The only way that we endure the storms is to persevere in Christ, to persevere in Christ. We are to build the house of our lives on the rock that is Jesus Christ. And it's only by doing this that we can endure the storms that we are sure to face. And the way we do that, as we've said, is by hearing and doing His words. As we hear and do the words here contained in the Sermon on the Mount, that is how we will be able to persevere in Christ. This is the most crucial thing for us to understand today. Because if we miss this, we miss everything. You see, it doesn't matter in this illustration. It doesn't matter how well the houses are built. It doesn't matter how nice the materials are. It doesn't matter how sturdy, how thick the walls might be. The success or the failure of the houses in this illustration has nothing to do with the houses themselves. It has everything to do with the foundation on which they are built. That is the only thing that determines whether or not the house will stand or fall in the end. Is the foundation on which they are built. The foundation of Jesus Christ. This is where our lives must be rooted and planted and built. Because if they're not, nothing else will matter. Notice in the example of the foolish man, he builds a house, and the text actually gives us a clue that the fool's house, it was a good house. This was a nice house. Jesus says that great was the fall of it. It's only a great house that can fall greatly. And so it's likely that no fault was found in the craftsmanship of the house. I think we tend to look at this story and a lot of times we think, well, well, there must be some 
difference between the two individuals. As if there was some genius in the first builder and some great moral deficiency or intellectual deficiency in the second builder. But you see, we need to understand that, that Jesus isn't talking about one being wise in, the, in his ability to build a house and foolish in his ability to build a house. No, the difference in the wise and the foolish is not in how they construct their houses, but where they construct their houses. On the foundation that they use. That's the difference between the wise and the foolish. It's not in the builders. It's not in the houses. The only difference is in the foundation. The sure and steady foundation of Jesus Christ. One builds on that foundation by hearing and doing His words. The other, by hearing and ignoring His words. By hearing what Jesus says and saying, I think I'll do it on my own. I don't need that in my life. Ah, That's that's just a bunch of antiquated mumbo-jumbo. I don't need your superstitions. I don't need these rules in my life. I want to be my own person. I want to make my own decisions. You see, the fool in this parable, he wanted the same thing that the wise man wanted. He wanted stability. He wanted security. The security that a home would provide. He wanted happiness and security for his family. He was likely not an ignorant man. He was probably a well-respected man. The difference is not in the character of the individuals, it's in the foundation upon which they build. It's in whether or not they heard Jesus' words and did them or not. And so if we hope to endure the storms of this life and make it safely to heaven, if we hope to avoid tragedy and ruin and disaster in our lives, we need to understand that the only hope that we have is the solid foundation that is found in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus tells His disciples, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no hope apart from Jesus. And yet the story of humanity is one long story of people trying to get to heaven by bypassing God. The Tower of Babel was the first such attempt. We'll build a tower into heaven. We don't need God to get there. We'll build our way there ourselves. People have been trying to get to heaven ever since. When the people heard from God that God wasn't going to allow them into the promised land because of the rebellion against Him, what did they do? They sent an attack force in to try to take it without God's blessing and without His help, and it failed. They were defeated. Whenever the Philistines were oppressing the people, the people thought, well, maybe if we just if we take the ark and we, we put the ark in the front of our columns of troops and we send it ahead of us, then we'll, we'll be successful. That event, too, was a failure. At every turn, all throughout Scripture, people have attempted to climb into heaven by their own power and by their confidence in something other than The name of Jesus. And this is what, according to Jesus, this is what makes a man a fool. Somebody attempting to bypass him, to bypass his words, to bypass the truth of God's word. You see, we could no more get to heaven by our own efforts, by our own ingenuity, than a man could get to the moon by jumping on a trampoline. 
It doesn't happen. It's only through Christ. And why is that? Why can't God just accept our best efforts, our good intentions, and let that be good enough? Because the Bible tells us even our best efforts are stained with sin. Even our most righteous deeds are filthy rags. And so we need someone who is not tainted by sin to be our atonement. We need God Himself to come down and give us His righteousness. And that is precisely what Jesus has done for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus came to the earth and and He says to us, Let me take all of your sin, all of your shame, all of the wreckage, all of the dark, heavy, stinking mess from the storms in your life. I'll take it all. And we say, really? You, you want this? This isn't any good. And he says, yes, I want it. And not only do I want it, I want to give you something in exchange. Jesus says to us in exchange for your mess, your sin, your darkness, your heavy, stinking mess, I'm going to give you my glory. I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to give you my holiness. I'm going to give you my inheritance, my goodness, my peace that passes all understanding. I want to give you, Jesus says, my eternal life. I want to give you my relationship with the Father. Jesus takes all the mess that we have and He gives us all of His glory, all of His goodness, all of His righteousness. A man might as well trade a new Ferrari to a little boy for his Hot Wheel. Only that exchange isn't nearly so lopsided as the exchange that Jesus has made with us because it was our sin that caused His suffering. It was our shame that caused His agony on the cross. And yet He stayed there until the job was done. Until every last little word and thought that we have spoken or thought that was wrong and and that violated His Word until everything that we had done, contrary to His Word, had been paid for. And then He went to the grave. Killed. Dead for our sin. But on the third day, on the third day, He rose to life again to show that the deal was done. And He rolled from in front of His tomb the stone. So that He could be the foundation stone for our lives. This is why building on any other foundation is a fool's errand. This is why going to any other hope is building your life on sinking sand. There is no bypassing what Jesus has done for us. Not only securing future glory for us, but enabling us to endure those relentless storms in our lives. Enabling us to persevere in Him. You see, He doesn't shield us entirely from the wind and the rain. But He holds us up and sustains us in the midst of them. The Sermon on the Mount, then, is not simply a list of things we need to do to check off to get into heaven. It's a picture 
of a life lived in faith. A picture of a life that is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. If we hear and do these words, then we can be confident that we will never hear the terrible words that we considered last week. I never knew you. Depart from me. And so I ask you today simply, on what foundation is your life built? Are you trusting in something other than Jesus Christ? If so, then I urge you today, repent. Hear these words and do them. This is a warning from Jesus Himself. It is a plea to help you avoid tragedy in your life. Just like the space shuttle Challenger. Tragedy is entirely avoidable if you will hear Jesus' words and do them. Build your life on the one foundation that will sustain you. Maybe you've already been knocked down by life storms. Maybe you've been knocked down today. You're in the midst of a real doozy. I would encourage you, trust that Jesus Christ alone will sustain you in the midst of it. We may still have to go through it, but we will come out on the other side. He will help us to endure it. But it's in Him alone that we persevere to the end. And so if you realize, perhaps for the first time, that you've been trusting in something other than Jesus, then here in just a minute, I would invite you to come and speak with me. And I will walk through God's Word with you to explain to you how it is that you can be confident that your life is built on nothing else Apart from Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you've just. You're experiencing a storm that you don't see the light at the end. You've got your confidence in Christ, but but you don't know how you're going to endure this particular storm. We'd love to pray for you, to encourage you, to help you. So I would invite you too to come receive the prayer that is Believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can offer for one another to help us endure, looking only to Jesus Christ and the foundation that He has provided on the one true rock. Let's pray. God, we come together today realizing that there are storms, there are difficulties, there are Sufferings that we will undoubtedly experience. And yet, Lord, because you are who you are, because you are good and gracious and loving and kind, you, O oh Lord, will help us endure them. Lord, sustain us in the midst of our trials, knowing that our lives are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. Lord, if we have not yet trusted, if we have not yet established that foundation because we have, have been building our lives on some other hope, on some other confidence, on some sinking sand, Lord, I pray that you would expose that to us in this instant, that you would reveal to us the, the devastating reality that our hope is built on something other than Jesus. And that realization, Lord, would cause us to run into the arms of Jesus, waiting to receive us and to establish us, 
Establish us on the one true foundation. Lord, may we all have that confidence that our lives are built on Christ and in Him alone. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about today's sermon or would like more information about Boone's Creek Baptist Church, you can send us an email at boonscreekchurch at gmail.com or you can give us a call at 859-263-5466. You can also find us online at www.boonscreekchurch.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.